The internet for a lot of us has given us this opportunity to design our lives. You can be at home working six hours a week and make 300 grand selling info products. That's beautiful, you know? And if that's your journey, great. I find fulfillment in building teams. I find fulfillment in organizing. I find fulfillment in building like world-class structures, which is why we, we don't have that business. We have this business, but I get to design it my way. And that's a beautiful thing. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. In this episode, we have Natalie Nagal, who's the co-founder of Wildbit, the company behind Postmark, Beanstalk, People First Jobs and more. Wildbit has just turned 20 years old, so Natalie knows exactly what it takes to grow and scale a successful bootstrap business. What makes Natalie so interesting to me is that she's in this group of seriously successful indie hackers with over 100,000 customers, they've been around for 20 years, and they're still indie and very much living by their own rules. Before we get into this episode, a quick word about today's sponsor, Churnkey. It can be a huge challenge to keep churn down when your SaaS product starts to see traction. The founders of Churnkey know exactly how much of a challenge this can be, having collectively grown three SaaS companies to over 4 million in ARR. They realized that they were thinking about cancellations all wrong. A relationship with a customer doesn't stop with the cancel button. So they built Churnkey, which reduces churn by up to 42% with custom cancellation flows. For every customer who clicks cancel, Churnkey offers up dynamic offers that encourage customers to stay subscribed. Just connect Stripe, plug in a small bit of code, and in minutes you'll be reducing churn by immediately unlocking subscription pauses, dynamic offers, and cancellation insights. To see how much revenue Churnkey can recover for you, visit churnkey.co to start your free trial. Also, if you didn't know already, I offer ad-free and extended episodes of Indie Bytes with the Indie Feast membership. Head to indiebytes.co slash membership to subscribe to that for just £4 a month. Let's get into this episode. So Natalie, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, James. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you. Now, 20 years running a startup, so many different products launched, lots of ups and downs. Take me back sort of 20 years ago. What would you have told yourself then before you set out on this venture? I, I <laughs> Probably just to take time to reflect on every part of the journey to make sure that I took time to reflect on why we were doing this so that the decisions became easier and more intentional. I think mm. in a lot of ways that if I look back on moments where we weren't enjoying our work or we were struggling or we made decisions we regret, a lot of the reason behind that is we hadn't paused to say, what's the point? What are we trying to accomplish here? What do we actually want? Not what the business wants, not the market is demanding this or the competitors are doing that, but like what do Chris and Natalie want? What does the team want? What are the human beings in the business? What are they looking for? and then make a decision that way. So framing around the why is always really important, but it's you have to know who's why, mm -hmm. and that's really critical. So there's that's probably one of the bigger ones that we've slipped through. I think about this so much, actually, and much more recently, about what, why am I building this business? Why am I doing this podcast? Why am I speaking to, to people like you? What's, what's the motivator behind it? And I think a lot of indie hackers and entrepreneurs we're starting out our business so we can do something that is genuinely enjoyable and fulfilling. But so often it doesn't go that way. So often we end up building something that we either hate or is is not actually exactly what we wanted to do. What's your advice for figuring out what you want to work on and what fulfills you uh, as an entrepreneur? I think that is such a personal journey. And I, I only think that the reason we get to these moments where we hate it is because we let something else control the work. In a lot of ways, I think of the business as like a beast. It's like how I visualize it. And I think of the day the business is born, 
it turns into this insatiable beast. And its only sole purpose is to get fatter, to grow, to get bigger, and just it wants to devour anything in its path. It's how it exists. And what happens in a lot of ways is we create these businesses thinking like, oh, this is my thing, but we don't harness the beast. We don't put our arms around it and say, you work for me, I don't work for you. And if you can control it, and it's again like defining why, thinking about what you're trying to do, then you can really make, I mean, these decisions all belong to us. <laughs> I was talking to a consultant once and he said to me, every entrepreneur I talk to, they think they're a snowflake. And guess what? They're not a snowflake. Everybody's the same. And I looked at him <laughs> and I was like, you're hundred percent wrong because they are a snowflake because a business is a collection of human beings and there are no two human beings that are the same. So you and I can run two exactly the same businesses in exactly the same market and make radically different decisions because I, as CEO, have this type of relationship with authority or autonomy or money or whatever. And you have had a totally different experience of that and you have different risk tolerances and you're going to make radically different decisions. So anyway, so we're all snowflakes, right? And each business mm-hmm. is a snowflake. And so the decisions we make, we abide by certain economic principles and rules. And ideally you make more money than you spend. Apparently you don't have to anymore, but whatever. So like we, it, it's all, they're all ours, right? So the, the problems arise when we, start answering to the beast and not answering to ourselves. And in a very practical sense, Chris and I, every year in December, we go away for a couple of days and we write out personal goals. And the thing that I tell founders all the time is to like actually put numbers on paper, put words on paper. We all have these like big vision documents for our businesses, but do we have vision documents for ourselves? What do I want my day-to-day to look like? How much money do I need? Do I want to buy a house? Do I need to get my kids a nanny? Do I need to, I want to travel on this vacation. I want to buy a house for my parents. I don't know. Start writing it down. I want to speak more. I want to work three days a week. I want to work seven, whatever. Like you actually have to physically treat your life as you do your business because especially as entrepreneurs, I think those lines are blurred, but the business is the thing that controls it. So the decisions are like, I'm doing the things the business needs and therefore I'm doing the things that I need, but it's not true. It's what do I need? And then how do I use the business as a tool to provide for me and my team the things that we personally want in this world. So we, we have a very practical mm-hmm. exercise where we just sit down and say, all right, how much money do we want to make? What do we want that to look like? What do we want our job to look like? How much do we want to work? What's our three-year picture look like? And that's how we've been able to really spend time designing a business. Like right now we're on this 10-year plan because we looked very personally and said, while it provides for Chris and I, we, have, we live a really good life. The only thing that I would dramatically change in my life is maybe I'd like to live in other places all over the world. Like I've never lived anywhere outside of Philadelphia after I moved to the U.S. from Russia. And I can't do that in a practical sense until my kids finish school. That's real life. What sort of the happy medium with that in terms of how much you should work? And especially if you've left your job and you started your business, how much time should you be spending on it? Like actually growing your business versus maybe doing some more things for yourself that are just hobbies that aren't just making money. I'm much more practical, like gray area kind of person. So to Mm -hmm. me, there's life's a journey and there's moments for both. And I think I've done a talk with, you know, DHH and I got to refund this for, I think an hour and a half at some point about a practical sense of in the early days, we didn't have a team. I had nobody to rely on. So we were simultaneously having a call with the accountant and also doing support in the evenings and doing all that stuff. In some ways it's a luxury to be a founder who has a team that can do a lot of the work that we as founders in the early days had to do ourselves. If you want to be a billion dollar founder, then you probably have a lot less time. If you're comfortable not being a billion dollar founder and you want, you know, there's some great people out there who 
have created a business. It's a beautiful business where they make half a million bucks a year selling products, info products or small products. And it allows them a tremendous amount of time to work on other things and side projects. The only thing that it doesn't depend on is your brain only has so much capacity for good, deep, meaningful work. That is true. That is science. You can't hack that. You can put on as many long hours as you want. It's diminishing returns. You're going to burn out. The quality of work isn't going to be good. And the clarity of mind. I mean, entrepreneurs, like founders, our job is to have clear thoughts. We don't need, we don't even need a lot of them. They just have to be crystal clear. And to have cl- crystal clear thoughts, you need space away, space to think. You, you almost need fresh air, right? Your brain needs all of that extra oxygen to be able to make good decisions. And so if you're running like this the whole time, you're probably making some decisions, but you're also going to wake up one day and realize this wasn't a good call. So, you know, there's a balance there. I will say that Chris and I in the early days worked a lot. Like Chris missed my best friend's wedding because like we had work and he was in his tuxedo and he ended up not coming because (laughs) we were like putting out a client outage. That's real life. I'm zero regrets. That was part of our journey. Our parents didn't have this opportunity to really create their life, like design it. The internet for a lot of us has given us this opportunity to design our lives. You can be at home working six hours a week and make 300 grand selling info products. That's beautiful, you know? And if that's your journey, great. I find fulfillment in building teams. I find fulfillment in organizing. I find fulfillment in building like world-class structures, which is why we, we don't have that business. We have this business, but I get to design it my way. And that's the beautiful thing. You're absolutely right. I was just thinking many thoughts to myself about how lucky we are right now to have this opportunity being able to make and shape a life for ourselves. And another thing I picked up on there was the having clarity and giving yourself space. And this is one thing I don't do nearly enough, just giving myself some of that space to think and to take a step back and figure out exactly what I want to do and how I want to do it. How many hours are you working at the moment, you and Chris? So the whole company only works four days a week. I think I normally I work less than 32 hours a week, but these last couple of weeks have been really intense with just a lot of strategy work, which is taking a lot of meetings. So I think there's a balance between, to your point, like execution work. And if you realize that execution work is just reactionary, just moving mm-hmm. the ball a little bit down the court. My friend Pelly from Balsamic years ago told me like he does this thing where he puts one thing on his list for the week. Just He just has to get one thing done. But you're reacting to things and you're doing other stuff, but we need a lot less time than we think to move mountains. Because when you start realizing that you're spending most of your time doing things that's not high value, like checking your email all the time instead of you're checking your email twice a day, like just doing that. I've had, I, I, I get a kick out of asking people to do that. Don't <laughs> open your inbox, open it in the morning and before you're done for the day. That's it. And see how much you get done. It's magical. If you broke it down to actual work, you don't need 40 hours. You probably don't even need 20 hours because like our brain can only do four hours of deep work a day. And so if you just found two deep work hours a day, just two, I've realized that I can do so much more and make so much more meaningful progress in two quiet hours a day where I like wrote a long thing, right? Like I did some research, thought about something, had an idea, crystallized it in my head, documented it and presented it to the team. And the team goes and runs with it. And I've done like three months worth of work. The best book for anybody who's listening, and it's a book I tell everybody about, and I feel like anybody who listens to me is probably sick of hearing it, but uh, Cal Newport, Deep Work. Cal's book is extremely practical. It has, the first half teaches you about deep work that's important, but the second half is pick your poison, play with all the kind of things that you like, try office hours, try writing out your day by hours, whatever you do. But there's great applications to try to see what fits everybody's life, but it's doable. Nobody is immune to it. For you as a founder, you 
working 32 hours you've got a lot of life around work and we as entrepreneurs founders are trying to build build something that's fulfilling and enjoyable that fits into our life where does work fit in with life and the stuff that you enjoy can you make work so much that it's just completely enjoyable you could work as much as you want on it i speak i spoke to my mate who works at deloitte and he was working until nine and ten p.m. Because I'm this, sure this, he has great work-life balance. Well, this uh, we, we we were in the pub at nine. He's like, oh, I got to go back to the office just to finish things off. I was like, What do you mean you got to go back to the office? You not want to go home? And he was like, No, no, I've, I've got to get this thing finished. I've got to. So I asked him, Do you live to work or do you work to live? And he said, I live to work. And I said, Surely that's not how you want to how you want to live your life. But he does. You know, I try not to judge other people's decisions. I do question sometimes the incentives that have been created to reward that behavior. My dad comes from a generation that he feels fulfilled when he says, I'm very busy, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, that makes him feel like he's producing something in the world. And that's his journey. And I much more excited to say, I have nothing to do. That's my journey is like, how do I get to a point where leisure is rewarded, right? Like where you can say, we produce only as much as necessary to live the life that we want. And we're in control of that. There's a lot of things that have to happen from here to there. I can say that because I have the luxury of being an entrepreneur. If you're working for Deloitte and that entire culture and environment mm. rewards and supports and your boss and everybody you respect and love is all hustling and working those late hours. You know, I have a lot of friends in corporate America too. And that is the life. That's the journey. There's a system rewarding that, right? So I guess for your mate, I don't know them, but I, I know from talking, having conversations with my friends that in a lot of ways, there is no other path. Right, because mm -hmm. that is the, the path towards, towards those rewards. But for us, I think of work life as an integration, especially on a remote team. I don't really believe that work should end at five and life begins at five because that <laughs> means that life can't live inside of the nine to five. And I think that's the problem. Work is a part of our fulfillment, right? It's our craft. And so it's part of what the journey and, and the joy and the privilege of getting to do this work. So it's not a total separation. I don't put, take one brain out and put it on the desk and then walk out, right, and put another brain in and, and spend it with my kids. So it's this work of realizing life happens between nine to five. So we have flexible hours. I don't need you to check in and check out. There's no nine to five, like clock in, clock out. You work when you're inspired. It also matches the deep work philosophy of working in cycles. You know, you can't push through eight hours, you probably can do an hour and a half, two hours, go take a break, come do another two hours, take a break. Like it's cyclical like that. For Chris and I as founders, we're very lucky because we work together. So there's no competing factions. The business is part of our life. Natalie, thank you so much. You've been a brilliant guest. So I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie actor, an entrepreneur to follow. Now we've already had Cal Newport's deep work. So we'll go for a different book recommendation if you have one. I'm reading Anti-Fragile. Fantastic. It's taking me some time. He's a person to really, it takes time to fall in love with, but mm -hmm. I'm loving it. I don't listen to podcasts, I'm afraid. But, but when I did listen to podcasts, I really love 99% Invisible. There's so many great people to follow. James, I feel like I should have come prepared for this and I didn't. I'm sorry. There's just so many wonderful people I'm trying to think. I really respect the work that Chris Savage and Brendan Schwartz do at Wistia. I think they're brilliant. Natalie, I really, really appreciate your time and helping out some indie hackers. Absolutely. Love to do it. <laughs>